0: Welcome back to another episode of Rocket Revenue, where we open source building rocket shipping and kind of share the insights. I wouldn't call them tips and tricks. They're insights into what we're trying to do in the market to build a predictable and repeatable revenue stream. So thanks for tuning in. This is another edition. And today, the topic uh, that Butter and I really want to get into is... Is around mindset, but it's it's kind of a thought experiment, and so I'm just going to kind of get into it with barter, and uh, hopefully we we add some value to your day here. So, barter, you know, you kind of posed a question during our uh, team call this morning, and you said, "Hey, Gabe, if you woke up today and you were uh, it was day one, and you were a seller at Rocket Shipping, what would you do to be successful?" And, and it led into a pretty large conversation uh, across the team and between me and you, and so. We thought, hey, let's bring that over into the podcast and see if we can't uh, add some value that way. Um, I'm going to pose a question to you because you are a seller at Rocket, but you're not an individual contributor. Um, If you, not at Rocket, but if you were just waking up today and you have the skill set that you have, you have the knowledge you have, and it's day one at a new company, you have any tool you want, you have to ask for it, but you got to just say, hey, what am I going to do to be successful? What are the steps you're taking and how are you going to frame that for the audience? So in
1: terms of tools, I look for a place that the first thing is the opportunity itself, right? Like, all right, you got to make sure that you're at a place where you can leverage your tools. That's one of the big things that I look for. And I think like what what this podcast we could go over is that like seller from the ground up, what do you do? Like what do a lot of the A players that I know do? Because when I asked you that question, you basically answered it almost exactly how I would have answered it and how I've done it in the past. And it's like, all right. And I know a boatload of other people that I've worked with or that I haven't worked with that would agree and say, man, we did the same thing without ever there being even any content for us to know. We just inherently, this is how we're wired. By the way, there's also other people that don't do it that way. And they say, well, it still works for me. That's fine. But it's kind of the exception to the rule in my 20 years experience in sales. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't mean that it's impossible to do. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. But more often than not, I've experienced that that's kind of not the case. So yeah, I'd say it's a mix of like, all right, seller, your day one, or like, yeah, the, the the business blows up and you have to do it all over again. How would you do it? You know, and I think I even have some stuff from when I first started versus now that it is definitely. I different in terms of the way that I would go about doing it. And then also like, all right, well then how do you also, how do you move up? Like, what do you do there? Like, what's your approach? You know, cause that's always how I look at it right off the bat is like, all right, how can I grow? You know, I started here as an AE. It's like, all right, yeah. well, how do I, how do I go to the next thing? All right, cool. I run the sales side or right, let's see marketing. What can I do over here? Yeah. Um, I, think too,
0: I to put a pin in that and just kind of pull that, When you came to Rocket, you didn't come here and go, hey, I'm going to be an account executive and that's it. Like you have a purpose to what you do and you came here to do big things. And so you gamed it as far as, you know, what do I need to do today to show Rocket and Gabe that I'm capable as a seller? What can I do while I'm doing that to lay the groundwork that I could teach sales to others? Um, And how can you do that? Now at Rocket Shipping, obviously... Uh, we have a different culture than some of the bigger tech companies probably where it's like you can get promoted pretty fast here if you're if you're adding value to the org yep. and we needed a, a head of revenue, right? We didn't have it. And so there was a hole anyways, you identified it. But I think that today, like even with sellers at Rocket and other companies, I think people just show up and say, what's the job I'm supposed to do? When And when you asked me that question and said, what would you do, I, you know, in Uh, A short version, I said I would find out exactly which companies I think fit our product the best, and then I would make a list of those companies, and then I would research them, and then I would do the one thing that I'm good at, which my most effective sales channel is cold calling, whether that's in person knocking doors, if I could, or getting them on the phone. I will email and I'll do LinkedIn, but if I can get a conversation with the right person, I'm very confident with my skill set that I'm going to convince them to use my product. And so, you know, in a nutshell, that's what I did. There's more to it and I'll I'll dive into it. But I think that mindset as far as like, if you're showing up in a a revenue job to just do that job and meet your quota, that's not the way to do it. You should be looking at your career map and say, can I do it in this boat? And you said you have to have the right Hmm. opportunity. I think you have to be in the right boat. You have to be in the right car, right? You have to be in the right vehicle to get you to that spot. Yep. But Um, if you don't know where you're going, and you don't have any gps how are you gonna do it it's tough man
1: um so for me like rocket was the right boat because and it's become better as i've been here it like um values are aligned which was mm-hmm. candidly never the case at any tech sales place that i ever worked at i had to kind of pretend <laughs> to be someone that i'm not everywhere um it, but here it's it, it's it's different i think it uh, truly encourages diverse thought and opinions across the board, which is how yeah. I feel. I, everyone's wired different. People have different experiences. And it's it's really welcomed here. And it's not like, oh, we don't talk about that. Like, we're kind of cool to talk about, like, whatever. Yeah, we
0: we encourage diverse thought instead of just diversity.
1: Yeah. It's kind of funny how uh, that-
0: Thought that diversity works. is much more valuable to an org.
1: Yeah. Um, And don't get me wrong. I think both like both are important when it's a meritocracy and everything like for sure. But like that was the first thing within like really it's okay. Um, If we're being completely like transparent tech sales completely fell apart. I started a business in tech sales that was training people on how to break into tech sales and the model would have worked incredibly well like three years prior and it was the worst model I could have thought of at the current time that I, that I did it. But I was yeah. uniquely positioned because I built a pretty substantial following on TikTok and on LinkedIn. And it's like, all right, cool. Like I can, like, I, I think I can do this. And like, as soon as we started, like the layoff started and it's like, man, okay. And then my, and then we were doing recruiting and we landed some decent contracts where like we were getting, you know, we we're making five figures a month, you know, and I don't have any employees. It was me and my wife at the time. She has recruiting experience wife got pregnant all right not going to have her work full time or really any time or anything like that all right let's find a job let's get back into tech sales then and we'll just crush it like we did before a million times yeah and they weren't there like any job that was available you like for my level d- senior director and above is you're going to have 300 to 400 applicants on it so it's like impossible yeah. and there's it, no t- way to stand it, out in
0: those doesn't matter how good you are, you can't prove that in a resume.
1: For for sure, and like I had an easier time probably than most did because I, at any company, I probably had salespeople there that followed me and already loved my content, so I could break in and be like, all right, cool. Who follows me at this company? I'll reach out to them. I'll see if I've got an in. And sometimes i will be like, yeah, I'm sta- I'm sitting right next to the CRO. I just talked you up, and like still, it was difficult to even book an interview. And then so when when you reached out, reached out with like a you know mutual person that we knew, and it was like hey, like you knew me from my content.
0: And That's I made awesome a post that. basically
1: saying, like, I can't find a damn thing. I'm like willing to even possibly step down from like a leadership role. I've done it before, I'll do it again, no problem. And but at the time it was like, all right, I'm gonna have to change industries completely. Rocky <laughs> yeah. shipping is shipping, it is like it's a different industry, it's freight, it's LTL. I'm used to tech and I'm used to like, you know, literally being on like a rocket ship. Fleet Maddox was, Doc was, it's like, all right, cool. This one like could be, and like, there was like kind of like a hint that there's like tech involved and like the longer that I've been here, the more that it's been like, oh, this is very ideal because if we could crush this on the tech side, it does a few different things. Number one, I see all of the same variables. Then I saw the two companies that are last at that ended up being valued or acquired for over a billion dollars or multiple billions of dollars. It's like, this is, this is all, it's taking a lot of the same boxes and, and like that are there, but also it's yeah. tech and it's like, all right, cool. So I can take my best experience and leverage it here. All right, cool. This is like exactly it. So right place, right time. I'm a big fan of the book, uh, outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. That's one of the big things is like, dude, it's really just coming down to finding the right spot at the right time that's right for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, what did I do
1: to do that? Candidly on on this one, I I got lucky. You reached out and then it turned out to be like a perfect fit across the board. Yeah. Uh, Like culturally, the fact that it's it's really cold calling. We don't leverage email as heavily. We don't leverage LinkedIn as heavy. We do, but like At the end of the day, it's not our main revenue source. Yeah. Yeah. And we're cold calling into a region for the most part, starting now, you know, we, we have other like large clients, marquee clients that aren't in that region, but like the Minnesota area and the surrounding States, let's say, right. They'll let you talk. Yup. Midwest, you get on the phone with them. You can have a 30 minute conversation where you're not just building rapport. Like you're getting everything that you need out of the convo and it's like, all right, this is ideal for cold calling. So that's what I like, just a, a roundabout way of saying it. But that's what I look for is like, all right, if you guys are looking for someone that's a professional emailer and doing sequences, I'm not a good fit. I'm never going to be a good fit. If you guys are like, no, nah, the cold calling works. We, we pound the phones. That's what we do. And it works well. All right, cool. Then that makes sense. Like you, I've got experience going face to face, door to door. I've experienced cold calling. I've done really well at it. I've kind of never believed in email. The more that technology catches up to it, the more right that I've accidentally become when it comes to that, where it's harder and harder to deliver the email and get a good deliverability rate. You can get yeah. flagged by Gmail and all that stuff and Google. So that's the first thing. But then what I look at is like the opportunity itself. And I think a big thing that you want to look at is what are the what is the territory and how is it carved? And generally when it comes to startups, there's, there's one or two that it is. There's a third that I've seen. I saw it at Pandoc with a VP that fell flat on his face. One of the two that fell flat on their face while I was there, Um, which was, so you have wide open spaces, right? This is the wild West. We're letting people in and we're actually kind of looking for a killer that will not hoard leads, but will run roughshod in there and be like, oh, okay. So you're just going to let me work everything. (laughs) all right, cool. Well, I'm going to push it to the limit and I'm going to, I'm going to have a good conversation with these people. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it with integrity, but like, I'm here to take all of those leads because I'm allowed to. You said that it's wide open and I want all of the good ones and I'm going to go find them. Right. So like, I, I do prefer that. I prefer it being wide open because when you start to go into a startup, particularly in tech sales, but really anywhere where the territory is very defined, it's rigid that's where you get into a spot where you can easily be screwed right off the bat. And it's not even your fault because it is a lie. If anyone tells you that every territory is as good as every other one, they're no, absolutely never, not. And I don't care try to too, fix so. it where it's like, Oh, well he has a really, let's say door to door. He has a really good zip code that he works. That's a zip code. Yours isn't as good. We're going to give you three zip codes instead, even getting extra territory. It still might not be as good. For example, when I did Verizon door to door, They gave me all the territories that didn't have Fios upgrades because they're a free upgrade and they got paid for it. But they're like, Troy's good. No, let's give them the territories that had fraud in them and have him go in and clean all of it up. That's what Troy can handle. And I could, but it was like, damn, like I'm kind of getting penalized for being good. Whereas this is the opposite at Rocket where it's like, no, you can call like anything. Unless someone is like deep into the sale and working it, we have such few salespeople and so many opportunities that you can work as much as you want. So like yep. to kind of go back around to the, the, the starting thing where, all right, you're brand new. If I know what I know today, go back to April 17th of, uh, of 2023, the day that I started. First thing that I'm going to do is be like, all right, I'm going to get with Maggie, who's our like rev ops uh, person and say, Hey, which of these accounts are like uh, historically, how have we figured out which one of these probably ship the most and it's been fairly accurate like is it employee yeah. size is it industry is it a combination of it because is it product I want, type is it the, yeah. yeah i want the largest ones to work um because we can get into them and it's kind of shocking some of the deals close pretty quickly even the, even larger ones but even if they're not Relative, the larger yeah. ones i want to get the ball rolling on those and i want to own all of the big accounts because they close and also because in shipping It's different than in tech sales. You have to build your book. So in tech sales, I could close a five-seat deal and then I move on to the next one and then I close that one. And that five-seat deal, the money's guaranteed. I signed them up on a three-year contract or a one-year contract. I'm getting paid my commission upfront. In shipping, that's not the case. You close a deal that does five LTL shipments a month. All right, well, great. Let's say that you get half of their shipments every month. You grow it to where half of them they're all going through our stuff. All right, so two and a half. You can't have a half, so it's really two. All right? And let's say that over time, half of that falls off kind of naturally. I've got one shipment a month. It means absolutely nothing. I would have been better off never calling them. I'm wasting my yeah, time. Literally. I'm, you. I'd be better off cherry picking and going after all of the big accounts, but you can't cherry pick if you have a defined territory. But we don't have defined territory. So if I'm brand new, I'm coming in with you know shout out John C a ruthless aggression getting after like every account that I can, dude. Like I'm all of the big accounts, how do I get to them? So I'm gonna be QTQP, quality time with quality people. I want to get on the phone quick. I want to have a conversation. I want to get an idea of how many they're shipping per month. LTL. Mm-hmm. And I want to put that down in the
0: with reckless yep. abandon.
1: Yep. And I'm pushing away any of the ones that are a waste of my time and I'm keeping all of the ones that are that ship a, a decent amount. And I'm just doing it over and over and over again. And that's all that I'm doing like all day. I'm not spending so much time enriching leads. Personally, I'm spending time calling and verifying it straight from the horse's mouth and then filtering. All right. These ones only do 10 a month. All right. We're interested in their business. I'm not interested in doing it sales assisted because it's not worth the time and bandwidth of our our sales employees. No, we'll, we'll give them a different route on how they can sign up and how they can get going and everything. They can have access. Yep, but for me, I wanna I, I wanna get a hold of the ones, and I wanna flag the ones, and I wanna own the ones that are the largest opportunities because no one said that I can't, and like that, like, that's what I look for. Like you said earlier, like um, in the meeting, like our culture isn't really like kill or be killed. And It's like, is that a positive or a negative? Like, is that a <laughs>
0: yeah? Well, the two guys leading the culture, the two top sellers, me and you. We're killer be killed. And so like we don't have to because it is such a the reason we are not killer be killed is because uh, this is going to sound arrogant, but is because I am still able to bring on revenue as a founder. And so yeah. because we can grow without a sales team uh, to where we are, like I'd like to grow a lot faster than we are. um, But because we we can anyways, it hasn't been killer be killed because yeah. any time that we have had a dip. I just go grab more accounts as an individual contributor, but that's not a scalable model and that's why you're here. But that is part of the reason it hasn't dripped down because I don't, you know, this is going into three different topics at once, but the reason barters at Rocket, the reason you're here is I can't teach people to sell, never have been able to, but I can sell. And so whenever, you know, if a business leader needs to run finance or management or org development or sales, I just go, well, if I get more revenue, I fix most of the problems. Revenue heals all wounds. Yeah. Uh, if you know operations feels like uh, a lot of the accounts aren't going well uh, or they're having problem customers, I go get new ones and we fire the old ones. That fixes the problem. Uh, if we're not making enough money, I go get money. If we are feeling stagnant, I go get more accounts. If we're not growing fast enough, I go get more accounts. If we're growing too fast, I fire customers and get more accounts. That's all I've done and it's been three years. The reason that I think it's important to have, you know, open source rocket shipping right now, important to have a sales leader who can actually transfer knowledge is because there needs to be three or four of me or five of me. Mm-hmm. And I can't teach that culture because my tendency is to do not teach. Yep. Um, which is also going back to where if you just started today, when you started at rocket, you said it was lucky. if you didn't post content, I wouldn't have found you. And if I wasn't actively looking because i was just humble enough i'm not all that humble but i was just humble enough to know that i couldn't do it i had tried and i can't teach people to sell effectively i taught michael and jared by osmosis i just made them sit next to me for a long period of time and they were very good already but i can't do it at scale and so i was like i need to find somebody who can that's why we lined up Uh, and so that's why you're here and you had that design but i did as well which is why you were promoted quickly
1: yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's what I look at also. So like on the sales side to, st- to, to kind of circle back, I look for the right opportunity where it makes sense. What I look for when I'm looking for an opportunity is, yeah. um, is it will put me in the best position to make the most money. That's what matters more than everything else. And then everything else is, is secondary. And then from there, it's how bad do they need me personally? Does my skill set mesh where I would create the largest impact compared to anybody else that they could hire for the role? And is there opportunity for growth and upward mobility? That's like the big things that I personally look for. And like the the questions that I ask when when looking at something. And then from there, it's like, well, how fair is the opportunity? And, and that for me, from fairness, it's, it's territory. So it's like, hey, is this like, a, you know... You sixty percent inbound leads, forty percent outbound. But the sixty percent of the inbound leads all go to one guy, and he's the guy that everyone said is making all of the money. All right, cool. That's gonna be <laughs> a problem for me. But like, if it's if it's no, we're we're all outbound, really, and the territory is wide open. You can work anything. All right, cool. What I'm looking for there is I'm looking for salespeople that take advantage of the comp plan and what's laid out. Yeah, I absolutely, break shit. I want them to come in and force me to change the rules on territory because they've made it unfair for themselves. That's what I'm looking for. Like, we can bleep it after, but I'm looking for motherfuckers. That's what I'm really looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And everyone else in Texas will be like, oh, that's terrible to do. Stay broke. Because I that, that, <laughs> I don't know any other way to do it, dude. I'm looking for the killers that were there before. They're here now. They're they're all over the place. And it will continue to be that way until the end of time. You're either a It's going to be so fun to <laughs> add those
0: players and, and then give updates as we add them and say, this is what it did for the org. Because we have me. We have you. Michael is bred very similarly in where he was just obsessed. But there was two reasons. Michael is a killer. Uh, he's a very nice killer, but he's a killer because his comp plan was commissioned only. And the reason I did that is because that's what my comp plan was when I was a sales rep and it worked for me, but there's other aspects. Michael wants to be, you know, involved in the company at a bigger level. So it was easy to promote him because he wants to manage things and people and processes and most sellers do not. So I needed to replace Michael as a top sales rep because he had other value. When we were talking about this the other day or this morning, one of the things I got into, I was kind of reminiscing was when I was at the previous stop that I was is that I took advantage. I like the company I worked for had multiple like territories and stations or franchises, and I had access to the accounts from the other franchises that were inactive. Right. And I knew which ones didn't ship anymore. And so they were free game and like the business owner wanted them to ship. And so I bent the rules and pushed it all the way to the boundary of like, Yes, I know this was XYZ's account, but they don't ship anymore. And in in freight and logistics, in Raga shipping, if they don't ship, you don't uh, monetize. There is no like subscriptions. It's you make money when they ship. Uh, And if they stop shipping, you don't make money. And so it was always like if they didn't ship for 90 days, you could like recycle the lead. Well, I didn't want to wait 90 days. And sometimes I was like, well, after 30 days, isn't that bad enough? And so for the business owner, the guy I worked for, he loved it. Cause I was activating accounts and getting revenue back on the books. And then I would just ask for the commissions and that caused a lot of turmoil. Uh, because the, the rep was like, that was my contact. I'm like, well, you had a lot of contacts and they didn't all ship cause you're transactional and I found better ways. And then if you push the boundary the other way, I gamed it. I was like, okay, I know all the other reps and I know how much their book of business is." And I just made a list on a whiteboard and I listed their names and how much profit they were producing for the company. And one by one, I beat all of them. But yeah. that's not commission based. That's something else. That was just because I wanted to win.
1: That's relatable. Um, because there's always, you know, once a company gets big enough and you have enough salespeople, you have a rules of engagement, right? You can do mm-hmm. this, you can't do this. This account, if somebody's touched it, you can't work it for 60 days, right? And then and yeah. if it goes 60 days without a touch, then you can work it. And there's there's usually like two types of of SDRs. There's the kind that piss on those leads and they're hoping that an inbound comes in where they can flag it and be like, yep, I was working that one. They never were. They're just, they're just <laughs> tucking the account once every 45 days. And then when the inbound eventually comes in because they finally needed it, but they did no work on it, they can yeah, say they were in card.
0: one of my sequences guys. So yep, like,
1: <laughs> exactly. Or they're the opposite where they're like, they're trying to get a hold of them before that time and they're trying to kind of take the lead from somebody. Which one would I prefer? I mean, the second one, obviously. I mean, really, neither. I'd like them to work within the rules of engagement. But if I have to pick, I'm picking the second one because the Absolutely. second one's trying to make something happen and the first one's waiting for something to happen. And that's you're that we're proactive in sales. You have to be. Like you, you have to go out there and make it happen. We're hunters they're farming leads and we're looking for people that are hunting for opportunity. Those two things really don't mesh. But what you described, I ran into at Fleet Maddox when I was a director. Um, Sad story. Two to three of the guys passed away over the past year. But um, so we had that where we had two floors. We had my floor that I ran and then another floor that, uh, that, that Travis ran and was the other director who actually brought me in. And we had a rules of engagement same thing, like let's say after 60 days of it being touched by somebody, uh, anyone could work it. So we had this guy um, who would get on his cell phone and start working that lead maybe 30 days after and and under the, you know, under the radar and like, just make sure, all right, no, no one knows that this is going on and everything like that. And then like the day that it hit, he'd have a deal. And it's like, oh, you're just like, you're in everybody's shit and you're taking everybody's stuff. You're taking advantage of it because you don't want to actually cold call. And you know that these are like halfway warm and that, and you're kind of like finding the soft way out, but at least you're trying. Right. So I brought in somebody that um, was like butting heads with everyone. Um, His name was uh, Chris Gillis. And he he came right in. He was like, I'm here to make money. I'm not here to make any friends. I'm here to, I'm here to destroy it. And He would toe the line of rules of engagement for sure. By the way, Gillis, he passed away recently. I love the guy and I love that he was doing this. Like I was like, all right, cool. Like he's trying. He's like, he's a hustler. All right, cool. Well, we can, I'd rather take a hustler and like, Tamper that down a little bit, and yeah, like put a little integrity the in there, uh,
0: and take some soft. Have to party. teach somebody. Yeah. killer instinct. What is it? Uh, Jordan Peterson said it on oh, Rogan's say, podcast. It. But so I, funny. Yeah, you want to be a
1: monster, and then you want to control it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's yeah. better to
0: be a gardener. Uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener yeah. in a war. Yep. That I want sales reps, and this is interesting. Running a, a company where like one of our first core values is integrity. My integrity is to the customer to make sure we're adding the most value at rocket shipping for our clients. That's my job is to add value by building better product, having a better customer success motion, having better operations and continually improving. And one way to do that is through customer feedback. And so if I have more customers, the system gets better because the company makes more money to develop more products or refine products. And we get more customers to give us feedback on what's not working. And so if that is the North star, which I always tell people in our org chart, like if we ever, we did a reorg last fall and there was some drama with it. And I said, look, nobody reports to anybody because we report to the customer. The customer is the boss. They, we report to them and there is some structure of course. But if you take that same principle and you say, if the customer is the boss and the reason that we all feed our families and if we have to add value and the best way to do that is to get more of them, then I, on the other side of the company, on the revenue side, need to have a culture of people that want to feed their families and put food on the table and they wanna win. And that's how you get more customers. You don't get it by holding hands and having this amazing culture and team, which is also what we are doing, but it is a by, not a byproduct of not having killers. And some orgs don't want that sales rep that pushes the boundaries. And I told the sales team in the beginning, and I'll say it again, I'll say it to blue in the face. I would rather have to decide who gets an account and have you guys fight over it than to never have that opportunity. So we don't have any rules of engagement where it's like, well, they were in a sequence. Unless they're shipping and they have signed a contract or they're our customer, if they're a prospect, unless, of course, we're like, you know, there's judgment of like their Ian rate study phase. If they're not, if they've talked to him and said, yeah, follow me up next year and another rep calls them and gets them interested now, that's that new rep's account. And I always am going to do that. And the the, one more thing, the last stop I was at, they would, they're so dumb about it because they would have accounts that like went inactive is what they'd call it. And they'd have Mm -hmm. to be a certain amount of days. And we would stumble organically on the same lead. And they'd be like, yeah, we already work with you guys. uh, But we, we already worked with Andrew, but we would love to work with you. Right and they want to start over we'd have to wait 60 days before yeah. reactivating the revenue and oftentimes it would just go back to the old rep because it was his and i'm like look you're not going to encourage high performers to work here yeah, exactly if uh yeah. if they don't when they do work and organically come across a lead that wants to work with them and add revenue to your business mr business owner who cares what rep gets it in fact you should do it meritocracy based you got their account and then pull them back when they don't have the integrity and then you should be disciplined when you break the rules but I'd rather pull you back that generally
1: happens when the person that created the rules of engagement or like the amount of time that someone owns a lead where they don't even have to follow up with them if they've never sold before or they've never dealt with the rules of engagement and the, the reason why is that they're in the mindset of we need to protect the salesperson we need to make it fair Listen, I get that. The thing to keep in mind is just because that salesman's like, all right, cool. I talked to him. I have it for 60 days now. No, you don't. You have it for everyone at this company for 60 days. There's a million competitors. Echo and Worldwide
0: can call it tomorrow and take it. And it's, again, who's the boss? Who do we report to? The customer. We should have them with us. That's my perspective. I generally would scale
1: back the ROE and just be like, all right. If you talk to somebody and they say, "I'm interested, but this is going on. Call me back in 60 days," then you flag it as a protected lead and say, "All right, I own this one because of this conversation, not just because 60 days." You only have yeah. so many of these that you're allowed to do, by the way. You can't just piss on all of the leads, all right? So that's how it works. And then you can continue to to work them and everything like that for what, whatever amount of time. And outside of that, you've got what a week or two weeks where if you're not if you haven't reached them it's they call it scarcity tactics if you haven't gotten a hold of them then well anyone can work it and it's like yeah but then like i gotta constantly like follow up my stuff like yeah you sure you you do yeah Yeah. because you own nothing none i own i don't own a single lead here none of our sellers own any of the leads you own all of the leads it's your company right so like they we have the privilege of being able to work them and represent the company at the end of the day you own nothing so if you like if you think that you do then that's a problem the only mm-hmm. reason why you should own a lead is because you've created traction with the lead recently and yeah. you've got next steps that are tangible on what happens next and when it's going to happen and if you don't have those things then you shouldn't have them, but like that, that, you shouldn't own the lead or, or have any, <laughs> any rights to well, them. And
0: then to take it one step further, this is how I think every or revenue organization, especially startups who have the ability to pivot should run. This is one, you have the standard of very minimal rules of engagement because it leads to maximal customers being acquired by killers. And you want killers when you have startups because you can have one rep instead of 10 and if you can find the 20% that produced the 80 instead of the 80 that produced the 20, you grow faster. That was me and Michael, and we're going to scale that. But at the same token, I think people oftentimes, going back to what you said, where like whoever built the rules of engagement wasn't a seller or a killer anyways, and so they yeah. want to be fair to everybody. I look at it the other way as like, I will be purposely, I will purposely favor those who bring the most value to the org just like a championship basketball team, you think Michael Jordan got different treatment than, you know, uh, the others, right? Yeah. Right. He was the best performer. He was right. pampered. He did whatever he wanted. And so like, if you're the top performer at rocket and you bring the most value and I'm only talking revenue, this is different across the Oregon admin or back office right. or, or customer success. Like those are a lot more teamwork is involved. In sales, it's go out to market, hunt, and find the deals, and then we will do the rest. Once they are here, now it's all about the customer and being fair to the customer. But until we find the customer, i if you are the best performer, I don't care when you work, I don't care where you work, and if you want to protect some leads because you've had conversations and you have the highest closing rate and you close all the biggest deals, I will say, yeah, no one else gets to call these because this guy closes all these deals. I won't do it for other reps who are like, well, that's not fair. Like, why can't I protect deals? I'm like, you don't close them. And so you have to have that full cycle. And then you have to have somebody at the org, this for Rocket, it's me for now, who's not afraid to hurt someone's feelings and say, this is your account, not yours. And here's why, because it's just a judgment call. They both maybe had a conversation and one person had one person interested and this one was the decision maker. And they were waiting 60 days, but then they came inbound and they wanted to ship. And I'm like, well, I think they fed you a line because you didn't sell well enough. And they said, call us back later. And then they did have a business need and someone else positioned us differently. It's their account. Those judgment calls suck. And at a big org, you can't do it. There's a committee or a board or a, uh, you know, a manager at Rocket. It's like, I'll just make the decision. And somebody's feelings will be hurt for a bit. But I can always back it up because we have unlimited opportunities for the amount of sales reps we have. So go find another.
1: It, it I, To me, it's just, I agree. Rules of engagement should always be in the spirit of what's going to bring in the most business the most efficiently. And mm-hmm. if, if there's a rule that's written where it's like, well, business won't come in as efficient on these leads if we do it this way, but it's more fair technically, I don't care. The, 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 the whole purpose is to make it so the company can grow the best that it can. You want it to be fair, right? But it is fair. If everyone yeah. knows the rules, uh, the, the the sandbox that they're playing in to, to begin with, it's like, this yeah. is how it is. Right. And I do go
0: think it's important it. to say, if you want things to be equitable and fair, do not go into uh account executive type roles that at a startup where it's like, go make whatever you want to make uncapped commissions, go take on the market. We have a better product every month. You have a new feature all the time. And this thing can sell itself as we get better. And you have the tech component, then do customer success. And that's, we've hired that more yeah. than sales. <laughs> it's just, you have to be a certain type of person, uh, guy or gal. You have to be willing to risk more to get more reward that's the archetype I look for. And I know we started this conversation as like, what would you do if it was your first day? But, and I will want to hear the audience's stories, uh, whatever audience is out there for these episodes as we're building this, like, and as we clip them and and share it out, I'm hoping we hear some stories of like, well, I started here and did this, but I am interested to know, like you kind of told your story of what you gamed and what you, why you chose rocket was opportunity. It was the right vehicle, but you also knew like you could, what your skill set offered to the org was above and beyond what another person's skill set in the same position. I think that every sell- seller who's in a career of selling, not just stumbling into it, should be examining it exactly that way. If you're only good at cold calling and you love going outbound, but you don't know how to teach people to sell and you don't really know the fundamentals and the different like you know reasons that you would use different techniques, then you should look for a role that's uncapped that's individual contributor, and that if you bring in more leads and have like a big territory, you can make more money. But you shouldn't look for a director of sales role if that's your skill set. Yeah,
1: and and I think people I,
0: just mismatch the roles too often. But it, uh, and I do
1: think it speaks to like there's skills that you can learn in sales that make it so you can kind of write your ticket. And one of them is the ability to go outbound and have a conversation with people like that. Yeah. And, in and, and just like they'll give you the time of day because of how you, how you sound, you sound like sound confident, sound approachable, sound like positive somebody that they'd want to talk to for 30 seconds. And you can, you can get your foot in the door. Um, and then from there you can either have success or you can really need to learn the product and you really haven't yet and learn yeah. the, the the prospects and the process. And you just, you you fall flat on your face a bit, but you have a conversation, you learn from it and you're willing to do the activity. So you do it enough times where you learn really quick, just through the activity that you're doing mm-hmm. on top of everything else that you're being trained on. That's like a skill that I don't ever see it going away. Um, uh, you know, that is, Especially with uh,
0: VC money running dry, I think it's the skill. Because what outbound killers can do is get you to, you know, the, the quote unquote path to profitability, which is like, it happens in freight tech. It happens in tech. It happens in a lot of industries, but it's very prevalent in, in freight tech right now, path to profitability or getting profitable break-even. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you can be break-even, then you can control your destiny. Otherwise it's going to be the investors that control your company. Uh, the only way to get to break even faster is to bring on net new revenue. There is no other way because in this market you can't charge more for services because that's why it's a bad market. Um, so
1: I think I can can wrap wrap it up a little bit. So like when you when you come in and you're let's say you're a prospecting salesperson, whether you're a full cycle AE, whether you're an SDR somewhere or something like that, you can either be um, and there this is a spectrum, right? So there's two extremes. You can be the one that's Pissing on the leads, saying, "Oh, I own these ones for for this amount of time," and you're worried about what someone else has, and you're worried about what someone else is doing instead of worrying about what you're doing. And that's like one of my favorite like quotes: is you know, losers focus on winners, winners focus on winning. Like if you're worried about what everyone else is doing all of the time, then chances are you're not ever going to have the success that they have because you're worried about what they're doing and complaining about it instead of worrying about what they're doing so you can learn how to do it so you can win also and that's one side Mm -hmm. is like the people that do that and then the other side is the ones that are like you know like you described yourself I've definitely I could describe myself the way in the past like you kind of push the envelope a little bit on like what rules of engagement are and you're trying to like take advantage of the comp plan take advantage of the opportunity and everything like that So I always err on the side of the people that are the the second one. That's what I look for. To me, it's not fair. If I hear that out loud, that's a red flag. Because (laughs) I like sales. I've I've been in sales almost 20 years. I like the sales force where it's not fair. And it's never not fair for you when you start. It's always not fair for someone else. But if it's not fair for enough people, then I kind of like that. Because then it means that I can find a way to make it not fair for me. All right, cool. That's fine. Like people used to complain about one of my old bosses. It was that Fleet Maddox? First RVP, he'd be in for like an hour and then he'd leave. And he had like a a, a condo that was like on the beach, and he'd be chilling, he'd be poolside. Right? Everyone's pissed about it. I'm pumped. I'm like hell yeah. So like, I can do that, that. if I whip enough ass, I get to do that, dude. Let's go. Like I'm I'll I'll I'm ready to kill myself. I'll dial the phone three hundred times a day. Like why would I be mad about what they're doing? That if that's the blueprint and it works and it's motivating people. What exactly are we talking about here? Like, so that's, and the long story short is that's what I, I look for. And the reason why I look for that is that I know success leaves clues. I've seen those people mop the floor with the other ones. So if I'm looking to build the best sales team that I can, I'm looking for a bunch of them. And to kind of wrap yes. it, wrap it around, like I was saying, like we brought Chris Gillison, I said to Declan Keenan and Joey Taylor, recipes Joey Taylor actually also passed away. I said, you guys, Joey and Declan are already on my team. You're going to be best friends with Chris. I was like, you guys are going to love this guy. Right now you hate him because he was taking everybody's accounts and everything like that. I was like, but the other team is taking all of our accounts. So we are going to take their accounts so bad that they're going to beg us to change the rules and then no one's going to be able to do it. And within a month, that's exactly what what happened. happened. And then these guys learned to play by the rules that they were given. And generally, even people that push the envelope, if you give them hard rules and say, I'm watching you, you can't do this and here's why, but here's the things that you can do, a lot of the time, not all of the time, they will fit within that sandbox that you gave them. But you might mm-hmm. look at them like, when I was selling used cars, my like integrity was probably not as high as it was when I was knee deep in tech sales as a director of sales. Because when yeah. I got in and used cars, they said this is what we fucking do. And I was like, All right, I'm broke. I'm dead broke. And you're telling me that this is the way that you do it? All right, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the game that you gave me.
0: Well, no yeah, problem. because you were you clearly understood, and I have two points to make. Well, you clearly understood that your job, Troy Barter's job, was to feed whether it was you or you had a family at the time. Yep. Like your job was to provide for you and your family. Yep. That was it. And like at Rocket one of our core values is family and what I mean by that is like my whole thing is not to build a business to have 100 to 200 to 300 employees and be big corporate I just want to hire a lot of people so that each person that works at Rocket can impact their family and their sphere and all their friends and you know relatives and like I love that I can do that and others can but then my job is to you know feed my family and try to create an environment where everybody can win and i think the only way you do that is and i kind of pulled this thread when you were talking like you said people that will kind of take advantage or push the boundaries but if there is a hard stop they don't ever cross it because they have that integrity and they do have some moral boundary there look at every billionaire in america all of them took advantage of the current tax system or the current corporate system. Only not to break the law, but only to the extent to grow their company or to do that. And a lot of people will have, I mean, it's a hot take, but a lot of people are like, oh, they're crooks. And I'm like, well, those, they followed exactly the rules. They just did it in a smarter way, whether yeah. it's a 531 depreciate or 1031 exchange for real ta- real estate. That's legal. If they want to change the rules in Congress, then they wouldn't do that anymore. And if you take that into every other industry, every, you know, if you have cancer and you're, you know, you get six months to live, do you want any doctor? Do you want the 20%? Do you want the best doctor? Every industry has top performers and the top performers get paid the most, but they also bring the most value. If you're a doctor, you're saving lives. If you're a sales rep, you're adding revenue to a company who then can hire more people and impact or to add value to a marketplace. But you identified as a used car salesman, my job is to make money at rocket. That's not your job right now. Your job is to get other people in the org to be able to make money. And that's your impact. And you will make money doing that. It's just, you have to have a North star, whether in your career. And I think most people, unfortunately just kind of move through life and move through their career and just do what they need to do. But if I was, you know, following the theme of this episode, if I was a seller on day one at rocket or at a different org, I would identify what the best customers are, if I have a territory or not. And then I would methodically attack it. And I would compete with everybody until I was the best rep so that I could have the most financial freedom and freedom of time to do whatever, you know, the RVP at fleet Maddox was doing right on the condo. I would figure out how to game that. For my family, if I own the company, I'm trying to do that for multiple families. Yep. So I think you just have to go through the thought experiment of like, what do I want to accomplish?
1: That's I was going to say exactly that. Is like you need to know what the plan is for the next like six months, year, two years. Like, do you want to stay in this role and dominate? Do you do you have a plan to move into leadership? Is that what you wanted to do? I always wanted to do that for a, a few reasons. I knew that if I really bust my ass and I could duplicate myself, I could make more money than just me, if I had, you know, eight of me, even if they were like a B plus version of my A plus. And also like just a dumb version is like every good sales movie, the sales guy is like an individual contributor for like 15 minutes. And then he's running the sales floor and he like, or she's running it. And that like, that's that. So I was like, all right, well, that's, that's the game plan then. Right. So that's what we're doing. So like, I, when you get somewhere and you start, then you need to think like, all right, cool. If that is your plan, then what's most important? Is it your results every single day? Partially it is. But like I, I say this to, um, I, I say it to Elaine on the marketing side for sure. And I've said, I've said it to the, the boys in sales as well. Like really what's most important. I learned this after a while is you got to ask yourself what, when the day is over, Do uh, is my personal reputation, my personal brand, with everybody in the company better at the end of the day than it was at the start of the day? Do people feel like I'm more valuable? I'm more important to them. I'm helping them more. There's like it, it would it would suck more if I was gone at the end of today than it was at the start of the day. And if the answer is yes every single day, so part of that's production. But part of that is also like your willingness to play ball, willingness to maybe take on tasks that like you it aren't in your comp plan or anything like that. Like I became like the CEO of that. I did it at Panadoc. I've done it here. Where yeah. it's like hey like i can i can help on this
0: marketing side i think I <laughs> yeah do videography stuff or like uh animated explainers and you're taking yeah. that on and you're the same but it wasn't guy. hey
1: i can help with marketing Gabe. let's talk comp like um, we haven't even talked about it I've, I've been doing it for for months now right because that's it's secondary that will come but i always looked at it like it's a game of, if you ever played the game of risk right i want all of the territory I want yep. to be the utility player that takes as much territory as possible, that's going to elevate my title and is going to elevate my comp eventually if you prove that you are worth having in those territories. And that, like, to me, that was the game that I played and it, yep. that continue to like, is like, all right, I want to be a utility player. I want to bring in as much value as possible. And the way to do that isn't just through production. So if you're an abrasive guy or gal, that's like, all right, yeah, I am, Troy. You're right. I am that killer. I'm gonna piss everybody off. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be right on their leads the day that I can get them, and it's fine because I'm bringing everything in. That that can be part of it, but you have to. keep You're riding mind. on
0: thin ice too, yep. right? Like I was talking about risk and reward. If you are that guy or that gal. You got. You, you only have to screw up once for like the CEO to be like, "Finally, I can justify not having that in the culture." You do not want to be on that line so, because you can stay there because of revenue producing ability. But I, I talked about this earlier, and then I think I'll we'll probably wrap up here. Is yep. Uh, You know, when I was at my previous stop, I uniquely in freight, like it's not just sales and customer success didn't exist there. And it was just sales and ops. And there was always a big divide between sales and ops because ops did all the real work of like and in freight, like you got to keep an account forever because that's how you make money long term. You get a commission every time a shipment runs through. So sales and ops held hands a lot, but they were always at odds. And I came in 25 years old or 24 years old and became the top sales rep in a year and a half. And then I was 26 and I was the top sales rep. And when I would come into the office, the boss would take me out on his pontoon or wake surfing when that was cool back in the day, uh, or right when that started. And now that's the thing to do. I wish I would have remembered how to do that, but I got looked at and I knew, and I was adept enough to know that I was earning the wrong reputation from my peers and from coworkers. And so I made it my mission over the next year and a half to, fix that and to become an asset and to do extra things and i did it on purpose because it would one i care about my reputation i want to be seen as a a, a nice good person generally speaking even though i'm aggressive and the reason i think it's a, a good full story or uh, a full circle ending here is that when i started raga shipping The two people I took with me were the top two operations employees, basically their VP of ops and their director of ops. They didn't have those titles. I gave them those titles when I started, but they followed me and I started my own company um, because I had built a bridge with them and they respected me. Even though I was that top sales rep personality, they knew me on a personal level and they understood that like, oh, Gabe is a bit different and he's not just what we think he is or what others think. And it benefited rocket shipping. Now those, uh, you know, Ian and Amanda, uh, are two of the top operators and customer service reps we have, and they lead a lot of our activity. They, they say to this day that like they used to hate me when I first started, they did hate me and it wasn't like personal animus, but they just didn't like that. I got to do whatever I wanted and they were doing all the hard work. So if you can't blend that, then, you know, you're not long for rocket. But I will say, just as the other token, and this is why I love doing this podcast, because I think several people have asked me, why am I doing Rocket Revenue when I should be talking about freight? And I'm like, well, I'm running a business, not just freight. And Mm. revenue is a big part of it. But it's also a good outlet for me because I talk, you know, customer success, operations, product development, all that stuff all day long with all of our customers. And I got to play by the rules. But I am just a, a killer sales guy inside here. I love talking about revenue and being aggressive and taking tactics. It's fun to balance it and to like say, hey, how can I fit a killer sales personality into Rocket? Because every org needs one. And I honestly, I had Michael and he destroyed the comp plan. And I had to write a new one. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. You're making great money. But like the companies, we need to redo that. <laughs> I screwed up. Yep. Good for you. I haven't found that again. And I yep. think it's because I have you know, open sourcing my mistakes. I've leaned towards like, I need to, you know, let others have a huge voice there and like, make sure it's fair and everybody enjoys their time at rocket. Cause that's what I want for everybody at rocket. But I do think that I, I overcompensated towards hiring somebody that wasn't like me because, you know, I didn't want to have someone run rough shot and, and be aggressive and push the boundaries. Cause I wanted everybody to get along. 2024 that's not going to be the case but how can we thread the needle you have to have everything like you want you have them to, to get have a along. troy barter to teach them. Yeah. you have to have the right product and you have to have somebody like me uh running the org so that i'm open to bringing in a killer and knowing they're going to break stuff but i think we can pull it off i think we got to thread the needle that's from yeah. an org perspective and it's just yeah. interesting to talk about i think if you're still listening to this episode there's two things to take away, you know, we talked earlier about like these killer sales reps that would really go get it and push the boundaries. But if you didn't listen all the way to now where we said, also, you have to be able to win people over, uh, how to win friends and influence people like Dale Carnegie. You've got to read that book if you want to be a top sale- seller because you work in an organization, not just in a pod. Yep. And so that's one. And the second is mindset around career. If you don't know what you want to do, like if you don't know if you want to be a sales trainer and lead the sales floor like barter. Or if you want to be an individual contributor for the next 20 years, because you want to, uh, I don't know the guy's name, Jeremy minor. I think his name is, yeah. uh, he just was like a W two sales rep for forever and he just made millions. And now he yep. has his own business. Yep. Like you got to pick one and figure it out. And then, you know, when you go to the new job or when you're at your job, act like it's new and figure out what you would do today. If you had a restart, it's a new year psychology because we just say the calendar year started, but use it. So, I think we should probably wrap it there, Barter. Um, This is our longest episode to date. If you're still listening, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, We do not run any ads. We do not have any subscription revenue. We don't place anything like that. The only way we grow is if you share this, uh, subscribe to it and tell somebody about it. And if you think it's valuable, I would hope that you do that. Um, And then again, Uh, if you want to share your story in the comments, that'd be awesome. Uh, We're going to encourage you through the, the copyright with this with Elena and Maddie. So go ahead. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great day.